I'm really blessed that Pastor's been giving us this opportunity to be able to come and share her pulpit and share what's on our hearts. And tonight I'm going to do a real familiar scripture to most everyone, no matter what generation they are. And so while I'm doing the intro here, you all can uh, find 1 Samuel 17. Because that's going to be where I'm going to be focusing on tonight. You know, David is probably the most well-known person out of the Scripture as far as the whole Bible is concerned. He wrote so many of the Psalms and Proverbs, you know, talking about how to magnify the Lord, how to give honor to the Lord, and how to worship the Lord. He did all of those things. And so tonight I'm going to talk about David, but I'm going to talk about it in a little bit different way. We're going to talk about the battle between him and Goliath, but I have a little bit different twist to this. So um, I still hear pages turning, so I'm not going to... Oh, 1 Samuel 17. Did I not give the day, the, this chapter? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I want everybody on the same page. <laughs> so, anyways, but I'm going to do a little different twist. I got some visual aids, and no, I'm not going to throw stones at all of you guys. So relax, you're good. We're fine. I don't have a slingshot up here to throw them at you or anything. So you're good. So we're going to start reading in the 23rd verse, of chapter 17, First Samuel. And as he talked with him, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistine, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have ye seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up, and it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Now, that's kind of the preparatory of about, about Goliath. Now, Goliath <clears throat> was a nine-foot giant, and David was a shepherd boy. So we got the extremes going on here. Big. Now David was came to the battlefield on an errand for his brothers. So he really didn't come to get involved in the battle. But God always has a plan. He always has a plan. And I titled my sermon tonight, Israel's Champion. Because that's who David really was. He was Israel's champion. So, in verse 26 of, this, of chapter 17, David spoke to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine, and take away the reproach from Israel? Now, if you look at the scriptures above that we just read, it says the men of Israel were sore afraid. But David said, 
uh, take this reproach from Israel. Now, already, right at the beginning of David coming there, there's a different perspective. David is looking through the eyes of the Lord because, as a shepherd boy, he spent a lot of time in the presence of God. And so his perspective automatically was different because his relationship with the Most High God had so much depth that he did not see anything except God's perspective. And so in God's perspective, through David, this was a reproach to Israel. And so David was really having a problem understanding why the men of Israel were not going out there and and doing the battle against this reproach of Israel. So we keep reading on here. And see, the brothers, David's brothers, back in 1 Samuel 17, or 1 Samuel, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel 15, David had been anointed as the next king. Now, his brothers had observed that event. So they already had a problem with David because he was out in the field and got called in after they had all been passed over. So now we got a, we, we, we got a sibling rivalry going pretty deep here. <laughs> and so they were upset because he was there to begin with, even though he was there out of obedience to his father to take supplies to them. And because they had observed him being anointed as the next king, there was a problem. And their perspective was he was there to see the battle. He came to watch everybody win against this giant. Now, that was the brother's perspective. Now, we got three perspectives going on here. But we read a little further, and David confronts his brothers and says, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? Now, that single sentence, is there not a cause, became the spark for David to say, Look. We need to do something. This is an action time. This is not a sit back in the trenches time. So, David decides he's going to go, go, and go against Goliath. Now, like I said, everybody knows this story. The girls know this story. You know, most of us sitting here in the room know this story. You know, <clears throat> and so... Saul decides he's going to help out God. Now, remember, Saul had lost his anointing because he disobeyed God. So he didn't have the Spirit of the Lord on him, so he didn't even recognize David as the champion that God had sent. And so he tries to help out God by giving David his armor. Now, David, being a shepherd boy, had defended the sheep with his own weapons that he had tried. And if you jump down there to verse 38, it says, Saul armed David with his armor and put on the helmet of brass upon his head. And David girded the sword around his, upon the armor and he stayed to go. But he had not proved it. Now, he had proved the, the, the weapons that he had used to kill the lion and the bear. So he knew the weapons that God had provided him 
would work and would kill whatever he aimed at. Okay? So, he takes off the armor and says, I can't, I can't do this. I have not proved this. This is too heavy. This is not who I am. So he puts the armor aside and he takes the staff. Now, this is, this, this is my staff. I had it actually carved. And, but the thing I want to tell you about the staff is it was the history book for the families. Everything that happened in the family was recorded on the staff. So David had his father's staff, the history of his family. And so he grabs that staff. Okay? I'll set that right down. Hope it's not going to fall down, which it doesn't. Yeah, I come prepared. (laughs) So then he goes to a brook. Now, a brook scripturally and prophetically means the presence of God. So he went to the brook where the presence of God was, and he took out five stones. One for Goliath and one for each of his brothers. Now, the reason he took out a smooth stone is because two reasons. Number one, it fit better in the sling and would project better, and it would go through the air further if it was smooth. That's dynamics. That's aerodynamics. So, not only did David take his staff, which was his history or his inheritance, he took the weapons that he had tried, and he took one other thing with him, the presence of God. And when he spoke to Goliath, he said, you come to me with all your weaponry, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. And I think that's what that, that's in about... Verse 48. Now, David didn't just go out there on the field. He ran to the field to meet Goliath. And, of course, Goliath is totally offended. And here's this little shepherd boy out here with his sling, his five rocks and a staff. I mean, he doesn't even have the typical weapons of warfare out there. But how many times do we battle the devil with the weapons that we know we've tried? We, we beat him with prayer, we beat him with the name of Jesus, and we beat him with the blood. And so those are weapons that we have tried and know will bring the presence of God and bring change. So we use the weapons that we know that have tried, that have been tried. So here's David. He's run out on the field, and Goliath is not happy. <laughs> And so he says those famous words. Let's see here. Let's go down here to. Let's let's start at verse 48. And it says, And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew night to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in the bag and took out a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead, and he fell upon his face to the earth. Now, I want to stop right there at that scripture for just a minute and pause because I want to point out a couple of things. Number one, 
the stone that David slung at Goliath, you know, the story says it hit him in the forehead, but it sunk into his head. And to me, when I read that, I mean, I don't know what the original translation in Hebrew says, but to me, that means that it sunk into his mind. The presence of God sent that stone right into his mind because David had already spoken to him that he was coming in the name of the Lord. And Goliath fell face first. Now, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes when I'm in really deep intercession or deep prayer, what position are you in usually? Face down on the ground. So God in his provision not only guided that stone directly where it needed to go, but he put Goliath in the most humble position he could have put him in. Face down, prone, in humility to God is. Now, that's, that's just an observation that, you know, like I said, I don't know what the original text says, but that's what I always think of when I read that scripture, that that's what was going on. So, again, David runs up to Goliath and stood upon the Philistine. I'm reading verse 51. And he took his sword and he drew it out of the sheath. Now, he told Goliath he was going to kill him with his own sword because he didn't go out on that field with a sword. He went out there with his five stones and a sling and his staff. So he didn't even go out there with a sword. And so he took, takes Goliath's own sword, you know, and takes off his head. And that head wound up in Jerusalem because that's where David took it. So when Goliath was slain, by a shepherd boy who was Israel's champion, suddenly the army got a whole different perspective. And they realized that they could win. And they chased after the Philistines, and, you know, it was just a total massacre. But the bottom line is, it took one to step out in obedience to what God had spoken to his heart And he moved on that with action to the degree that he took the threat completely out of the picture. He took Goliath completely out of the picture. There was no no threat anymore because the nine-foot giant had been removed God's way. And see, and that's that's what happens in life, too. If we are obedient to what God has told us, he will remove the obstacle. With our faith. And that's exactly what David went in there with. Now, there's a couple of little tidbits I want to talk about. I think I got time. When, when I read this story about the stone, I always have to go back to Matthew. And we're going to go back to Matthew 16 real quick like. And I'll give you a chance to get there. Because there's a reference to stone there that I want you all to... To see.
Okay, everybody there? All right, here we go. We're going to, we're in Matthew 16, and we're going to start at verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea, Philip asked, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is heaven, which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, but thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So, Whenever I read the story about David and Goliath and the rock and the stone, I always think of this because in 1 Peter it talks about Jesus being the chief cornerstone. And he is. So that stone represented more than just killing the giant. It established a new thing with Israel and the stone. So these little stones became real important. The other thing that I wanted to talk about is the fact that on Sunday, Pastor was talking about trust. And she gave some definitions of trust. And when David went out on that field, he trusted that God was going to back him up. That there was going to be no doubt that the presence of the Lord was going to go with him. So I actually wrote down the definitions that Pastor said on Sunday about the word trust. It means to go through without fear. Now, David definitely was not fearful. Firm belief. He believed that God was going to be with him. And my favorite that fits with the account of David and Goliath, confident expectation. David was confident that God was going to do what he expected him to do, which was kill Goliath. And he followed through with that. God followed through with that. And not only that, but he delivered David, and that began the really David's career as a military person. Um, he, you know, won a lot of battles for Saul. He became part of Saul's army. He, he, did, he, he had helped Saul when he had an evil spirit. He played the harp for him. You know, he always, he never lost sight of his worship to God, ever. And because of that, you know, David established a heritage for every generation after that for, for 400 years. Because I looked up some information, and for 400 years, beginning with David, only the men from the tribe of Judah ruled the kingdom of Judah. No one else, no other, no other tribe ruled. And it took seven and a half years for David to become king from the time that he was anointed before he ever fought Goliath. And when he became king, 
He united the nation, the 12 tribes, like it had never been before. And 3,000 years later, how many of you still like the Psalms? Absolutely. I mean, I go to the Psalms for comfort. I go to the Psalms for encouragement. You know, and Pastor has, you know, been wanting us to read a lot of the Psalms. 3,000 years, and those Psalms still hold the same impact that it did when David penned them. Of the 150 Psalms, 73 of them were penned by David himself. And 13 of those Psalms were believed to be written in direct response to a major event that happened in David's life. Just, I'm a trivia person, and so that's a little bit of trivia there that you might not know. The fact that David wrote his praise to God when he had a major event in his life. You know, even, even when he was at his lowest, he was still a man after God's own heart. And that never changed, even to his last breath. He was still a man after God's own heart. 